Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800 247 3051. 800 247 3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. That's Joseph's attitude. No matter where or when, Joseph was faithful with thanksgiving. Think about that. Faithful in his thanksgiving. Faithful in his thanksgiving to God. And with every new unexpected challenge in life, Joseph didn't display the attitude of, is it over yet? But he had the attitude instead of, what's next? What's next? That was great. That was an adventure. And so what's the next adventure? He couldn't wait for Joseph Life was like being at Disneyland. Now, we read how Potiphar saw, he saw this. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. Now, that doesn't mean that Potiphar became a believer in God or feared God. He just saw that the Lord was with Joseph and that everything he did was prospering. It's important to consider this word saw in verse 3. Because it doesn't say that he heard from Joseph that God was with him, but he saw with his own eyes that God was with Joseph. I mean, he didn't see any special visions. He didn't see any any particular miracles. But what he saw was that Joseph was faithful, he worked hard, and his work was blessed so that whatever he was doing was prospering. You know what? This is like God saying, you know, I need a person that I can put on display. Oh, Joseph, I can put him on display for for Potiphar and all the Egyptians to see. It's as if God is anxious to find a person, you know, in Joseph that he can put on display. And this is what God said in 2 Chronicles 16.9, 2 Chronicles 16.9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro across the, throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in the behalf of those whose heart is perfect toward him. All right? And then he was speaking to a king, and he said, Herein thou hast done foolishly, therefore from thence, henceforth thou shalt have wars. That king he was talking to was Asa, who was the king of Judah. And what had happened is that Asa, instead of relying on God, turned and relied on Syria and sent the king of Syria gold and silver to be his ally in battle. And this greatly disappointed God as God was saying here, look, Asa, I was looking for someone to re- that, that would rely on me to be his ally in war. And, and he expressed, God expressed this disappointment to Asa by telling him, you know, my eyes are almost like strained running back and forth over the whole earth looking for someone I can put on display who trusts God that I can show myself strong in. In other words, God's eyes were running back and forth over the whole earth. He's looking for a person he can put on display. 
Well, in Joseph, God found his man that he could put on display just like that. And so it's something to think of God looking at us. Think about that. God looking at us and asking himself the question, can I put him on display? If I do, will he pass the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 test? The Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 test. Will he trust me with all his heart and lean not to his own understanding? Will he acknowledge me in all his ways? So the Lord gives a lot of thought to the decisions that we make. He actually, you know, he watches us and he gives a lot of thought to the decisions we make and to how we behave. And that's given to us in Proverbs 5.21, Proverbs 5.21. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. It says, our ways are before the, the eyes of God, and he's thinking about it. I wonder why he decided that. <laughs> I wonder why he did that. Oh, well, that's not good. He's pondering all of our goings. Well, Potiphar saw this same thing in Joseph that Laban saw in Jacob. As we read that in Genesis 30, verse 27, Genesis 30, 27, where it says, And Laban said unto him, I pray thee if I have found favor in thine eyes, Terry, for I have learned by experience that the Lord hath blessed me for thy sake. See, Laban wasn't a believer in God. No, remember he had those gods that he had, false gods. And just like Potiphar was not a believer in God, but Laban learned from his own observation that he was blessed as long as Jacob was present with him and working. That reminds me of the 19 years when we made first response pregnancy test for Church and Dwight for company. And when they decided to fire us for making first response, we learned as they told us, there was not agreement within the company. There was a big disagreement in their company on the wisdom of firing scantibodies from making first response. But they made their decision. When we made first response pregnancy test, it became the number one selling pregnancy test in the marketplace. But when they fired us, it fell significantly, and it has fallen significantly, from its first place position. Well, what Potiphar saw was this remarkable success, a success that just seemed to follow Joseph like a shadow. And so Potiphar was good to Joseph, and so God was good to Potiphar because that was the way God said it's going to work. In Genesis 12, too, Genesis 12, too, when God promised Abraham, I'll make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing, and I'll bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. Now, the success that God gave to Joseph in Potiphar's house, of course, that was good for Potiphar. It was also a great encouragement to Joseph because Joseph, it was like compensation for Joseph because Joseph, you know, this success compensated Joseph for his deep hurt over being abandoned by his brothers it compensated Joseph. It strengthened his faith as he realized that his ways were pleasing God. As Joseph could see Proverbs 16.7 playing out in his life. Proverbs 16.7 says, when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. So the success that Joseph was having there compensated Joseph, 
by lifting up his hope that a better day is coming, a new dawn is going to come, and he just had to be patient. Now, in verse 3, it says, the Lord made all that he did to prosper. That means that the Lord looked at what Joseph was doing, and it made it to prosper in his hand. See, there's a strong emphasis in that verse in what Joseph was doing when it says all that he did and in his hand. See, when it says in his hand, it goes right along with Ecclesiastes 9.10. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, whatsoever thy hand findeth to do, do it with thy might. See, God does not bless passivity or laziness or slothfulness. He wants us to make the first move and work hard. And then he'll bless our work, but he doesn't bless idleness. I mean, the great work, the great example around over this was the wall that was built around Jerusalem. We have two books dedicated to the building of the wall around Jerusalem, the rebuilding of the wall around Jerusalem, which is the book of Nehemiah and the book of Ezra. And there was a lot of hard work. It was hard work, and it had to be done. But God blessed their work. And like I say, the books of Nehemiah and Ezra are really full of these references to the hard work that Israel did to build the wall, like in Ezra 6.14, Ezra 6.14, where it says, the elders of the Jews builded and they prospered. They builded, God made their work to prosper. And Nehemiah 4.6, Nehemiah 4.6, so built we the wall, and all the wall was joined together unto the half thereof, for the people had a mind to work. See, the attitude of the people was that they had a mind to work, and then God blessed their work. But not everyone had this mind to work, and they were noted also to their eternal glory. <laughs> In Nehemiah 3.5, Nehemiah 3.5, where it says, And next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. Can't you just see them? The nobles sitting back says, no, I don't do that. I supervise. <laughs> see, the noble, I'm in charge, don't you know? So that means I don't work. See, so one thing that I remember so distinctly, well, I remember many things, but about Pastor Jim. You know, he was in charge of the chapel, but he worked hard. He worked hard. You remember when he would sweep the parking lot of the chapel? He would sweep it like no one else could sweep it. He worked so hard at it. And he used to talk about, you know, before he was a Christian, when he was back in Boston, he would talk about the work that he did painting houses. He ever talked to you about that, Gene? How he used to paint the houses. Pastor Jim was a noble that did put his neck to the work of the Lord. He used to love to do the work, just like the Lord Jesus loved to work. The Lord Jesus loved to work. When he said these words in John 4.34, John 4.34, Jesus said unto him, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. See, he was a hard worker. The Lord Jesus was a hard worker and he was doing the work of the Lord. When God told Israel how they were to find him, he said to them in Jeremiah 29.13, Jeremiah 20.13, you shall Seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. In other words, he said, it's going to take a lot of hard work to find me, and you're going to have to search for me with all your heart. And it was common 
for the Lord Jesus when he healed people to focus on what the people did who were healed and to commend them for what they did. For example, there was this woman with the issue of blood who worked hard to press through her way through the crowd. It was all this crowd surrounding him and stretch forth her hand to touch his garment. And then he turns around and he tells her in Matthew 9.20, Matthew 9.20, and behold, a woman with disease with an issue of blood, 12 years came behind and touched the hem of his garment, for she said within herself, if I may but touch his garment, I shall be whole. But Jesus turned him about, and when he saw her, he said, daughter, be of good comfort, thy faith hath made thee whole. And the woman was made whole from that hour. That was strange. That was strange for him to say that. Well, why didn't he say, I made you whole? He did it. He did. But he says, no, your faith has made you whole. He was focusing on what she did, on the work that she did and the hard work that she did. And as I mentioned, breaking through all those obstacles. And then there was the blind Bartimaeus who had to work hard to fight through those who wanted to silence him as he publicly confessed that he believed that the Lord Jesus could heal him of his blindness, give him a sight, in Mark 10, 46. Mark 10, 46, where it says, and they came to Jericho as he went out to Jericho with his disciples, a great number of people, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the highway side begging. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Many charged him that he should hold his peace, but he cried out the more with a great deal. Thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus stood still, commanded him to be called, and they called the blind man, saying unto him, Be of God comfort. Rise, he calleth thee. And he, casting away his garment, rose, came to Jesus. Jesus answered, said unto him, What wilt thou that I should do unto thee? The blind man said unto him, Lord, that I might receive my sight. Jesus said unto him, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus in the way. Again, it's just so remarkable that the Lord didn't say, Well, I give you now your sight, blind Bartimaeus. No, he says, Your faith has made you whole. Again, he rewards the hard work. And he calls us to work hard. That's our he calls us to work hard in Romans twelve eleven. Romans twelve eleven, when he says that we should not be slothful in business, but fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. I mean, we're told to view the Christian life like an endurance race, like an athletic event in 1 Corinthians 9.24. 1 Corinthians 9.24 says, Know you you not that they which run, run in a race, run all, but one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth, for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it that they may obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I. So it's hard work when you start using these terms like run, strive, fight. But he spoke, Paul spoke about he, how hard he worked. He spoke about this in 1 Corinthians 15.10. 1 Corinthians 15.10, when he, te- he talks about, yes, the grace of God, I am what I am, and by his grace bestowed upon me was not in vain, but I labored more abundantly than they all, yet not I the grace of God. See, Joseph was like that. 
He was a really hard worker. And Joseph was like Caleb also. Caleb, when he saw that something didn't be done, Caleb was a right now man. He said he immediately jumps in to do it. Numbers 13.30 tells us that about Caleb. Numbers 13.30, when they, everybody's debating, oh, should we go? I don't know. You know, so those people, they're like giants. They're going to kill us, this land. Uh, maybe it's not worth it, you know. And Caleb, it says in Numbers 13.30, Caleb stilled the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and possess it, for we are well able to overcome it. See, I mean, like I said, all the men of Israel are sitting there debating, you know, should we go? No, I don't know. What's, let's, and then he says, stop. No, let's go up at once, possess it. We're able. Now, we read in verse 4, Joseph found grace in his sight. So what Potiphar saw in Joseph were really four qualities I want to lay out for you. Four qualities that caused Joseph to find grace in Potiphar's sight. As Scantabodies, nearly all of our 55 managers have been promoted from within. Typically, we don't say, you know, okay, how are you put you there? No, they've all been promoted from within. They move up the ranks. And the basis that we use for promoting a person is very much these four qualities that Potiphar saw in Joseph's life, which the first quality was care, care. Joseph cared about the work he was doing. Joseph didn't just see what he was responsible for when the time when he was supposed to be responsible and on the job. Oh, my eight hours are done. I'm done. No. And then he divested himself of what happened when he was off time. He cared about the work to make sure that nothing would go wrong when he wasn't there, when he was responsible. So that's care. Second quality is the word diligent. He was a hard worker, very hard worker. Smart executives want to surround themselves with diligent people. That's what they do. And they look for diligent people. They look for that. Yeah? In Proverbs twenty two twenty nine, Proverbs twenty two twenty nine, seest thou a man diligent in his business? He shall stand before kings. He shall not stand before mean men. So you see, executives want to surround themselves with diligent people. And Joseph didn't see work smart, meaning not work. Joseph loved hard work. He enjoyed getting himself involved in the work. He's like the Lord Jesus, like who said that his meat was to do the will of him that sent him and to finish his work. All right, that was the second. Third is goal-oriented, goal-oriented. When the Lord Jesus said that his meat was to do the will, and then he said, and to finish his work, to finish the work of the Father, he was showing that he was goal-oriented. When his eye is on finish, not just the process of doing the work, hey, I love just working hard. Oh, I want, yeah. <laughs> reminds me of <clears throat> Professor John Potts, who's the head of research at Massachusetts General Hospital at Harvard, who's the father of parathyroid hormone. And um, I worked with him. I was honored to work with him. But anyway, one time John and I were having dinner in, in um, Boston, and he told me about, uh, no, I don't want to say anything bad about John because he's been <laughs> careful here, but he told me that when he started his work at Harvard on parathyroid hormone, his mother said to him, well, Johnny, when are you going to finish that work? <laughs> and he says, mom, I don't ever want to finish this work. 
Okay, now, I'm not trying to say anything bad about Professor Potts, but I want to say that there is a danger to just loving work and not wanting to finish it. That was not the Lord Jesus. And some people are hard workers, and they enjoy hard work, but they're not goal-oriented. They don't come to work with the goal of, how soon can we get this done? They don't come to work with the question of, when will this be completed? But the Lord Jesus did when he said, my meat is to finish the work. So to be goal-oriented is to work with a sense of urgency and always have in mind the goal that the job has got to get done. See, the Lord Jesus, he had this sense of urgency about the work that he had to finish, and he said that in John 9.4, John 9.4, I must work the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can work. He worked on earth, with the sense of urgency, the sense that the night was coming when he couldn't work anymore. He had to get everything done during the daytime, which was his life on earth. Last fourth quality, most important, faithfulness. Faithfulness. Joseph was faithful in his work. Faithfulness is working hard when you're not being watched. Faithfulness is becoming married to the same goals as the boss. Faithfulness is to use the word, start using the words of we and our rather than you and your. I mean, it reminds me of an African chief one time, a very wise chief in Angola. This chief of this tribe was getting old and he needed to find a successor who was going to take over as the chief of the tribe. So what this very wise chief did, old chief, was that he chose three candidates and asked them to meet him early one summer morning. And he took them down to a river that had a bank in front of it. And he gave to each man a sieve. And then he set the three gourds at the top of the bank. And he told them that their job was to compete. And they were to run down the bank, plunge their sieve, not the gourd, the sieve, (laughs) into the river, and then run back up the bank and fill the gourd with whatever drops would fall off the sieve, you know. So, you know, the chief says, okay, ready? Go. And so the three men ran down the bank, and they plunged their sieves into the river, and they ran back up and had a few drops of water that fell into the gourd. And then the chief, you know, watched them for a while, and then he left, and he got out of their sight. But the chief hid himself in the trees and watched them throughout the men. And so as soon as the chief left, one man threw down his gourd and said, he thinks we're fools. He thinks we're stupid. I'm not going to do this ridiculous exercise. I quit. And by noon, the second man threw down his sieve and said, I can't take this anymore. I'm done. And he gave up. But the third man continued on to the end of the day, running up and down the bank with his drop or two of water that he put in the gourd. And then at the end of the day, the chief came out of the trees and said, congratulations, you are the new chief. I didn't expect you to fill the gourd. I expected you to be faithful. You continue to do the job when you thought no one could see you. That's what faithfulness is. See, it's doing the work when you think no one is seeing you. And the challenge for us is which one of those three men are each one of us? Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. Or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. Sunday Night Church is back. Join Friendship with God Bible teacher Tom Cantor at the new Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Join us early each Sunday at 4.30 p.m. for food and fellowship with Sunday evening services to follow at 5.30 p.m. Watch Tom Cantor and the service on YouTube Live, located on the Friendship with God website. Enjoy encouraging teaching from our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, in a relaxed and family-friendly atmosphere. Sunday Night Church is back, so join us at the Friendship with God Fellowship every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum at 10946 Woodside Avenue North in Santee, California. For more information, call us at 800-247-3051, 1-800-247-3051, or visit friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org for the Friendship with God Fellowship.